Welcome, everyone, to episode 43 of Casting the Net with Father Dave and Rick. Today, it's a, another Lenten episode. I think this is the fifth one. And today, the guys talk about how faith can be more of an influencer in our daily living. They talk about not accepting mediocrity and getting to know what needs fixing during Lent, which I think is something we can all benefit from. So enjoy. Hi, I'm Father Dave Nuss, together with Father of Four, Rick Lingva. Welcome to Casting the Net. We are in search for catching the faith. Hey friends, we're back at it again, Casting the Net. I'm Father Dave, joined by my co-host and and dear friend Rick, as we continue to share in conversation about how the faith can be more of an influencer in daily living, how it might help to elevate my thinking, how it might help to impact my decisions, and ultimately free me from the stuff that just, and free us from the stuff that that robs us from the fullness of life for which we've been made. I, you know, Rick, I'm just reminded again just how um, how sad it is when mediocre is accepted. When starting with me, when I accept mediocre and think, oh, I guess it could be worse. When <laughs> God has made me to be freed from the tentacles of stuff yeah. that discourages and demeans and mm-hmm. dismisses. Yeah. And why do I sit in that some days? Why? Well, I'm, I'm right there with you asking the same questions. Me too. Um, and, and now we're, we're knocking on the door of uh, one of the most powerful, poignant weeks of the year for yeah. us uh, as Catholics. Yeah. And, and it just, it really throws into sharp relief how, how shabby uh, my, my life is a lot of the time, you know, <laughs> uh, but, 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 but we need that, you know, it's not, it's not meant to be a, a pity party, but it's, yeah. it, we, you know, before you, uh, before you can ascend, you have to know where you are and be honest uh, about that. Uh, um, so uh. it's not a bad thing, but um, no, for sure. I mean, this is this is the apogee, you know, the the climax of the uh, the year for Catholics, and it's. I, I think it's important for us to remember. We, we oftentimes, I think, forget that you know because of what the Church thinks the incarnation is, um, that it's the second person of the Trinity taking on a human nature, that everything Christ does has redemptive value for us. Mm-hmm. And so we, we shouldn't ignore anything he says and does like mm. all his words, all his works are, are redemptive and salvific. But I mean, the events that we're about to celebrate, celebrate for Holy week are uh, like I said, the apogee. Break that open a little bit, redemptive and salvific, right? Because yeah. for some, those are, um, they're enormously positive words, though maybe not understood yeah. in practical terms. Yeah. Yeah. How would you approach that? Well, I, I mean, I, I think sort of the way we kicked it off is a good place to start. Like, you have to know what in you needs fixing uh, before you can appreciate uh, um, the fixer. Yeah, you know. And um, so when I, when when we when we come around to this time of the year, I, I reflect a lot on um, on the fall, on original sin. Mm. The fall is sort of the theological jargon for um, Adam and Eve's mm-hmm. sin that affects all of us. Um, as it's recounted in uh, you know the opening chapters of Genesis, and I, I think there there are lots of ways you could characterize what what happens through the fall. Uh, one of my favorites is um, it it brings about disunity. Mm. It, it brings about a loss of integrity. Mm. Like, and I don't mean integrity mm. like a, like moral uprightness, although it is that is involved. But integrity like wholeness, mm-hmm. like um, a rectitude within us. Yeah. 
Um, we see we, we talked about this in the scripture uh, series that the, 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 the opening chapters of Genesis shouldn't be viewed as a science textbook or like a journalistic account of God creating the universe. Right. But it, it does teach us really deep theological truths yes. about ourself, ourselves and the world around us. And yes. one of the things it teaches yeah. is that God creates this harmonious, um, ordered world. And we, we see it in the language, right? Yeah. I mean, God creates this and this and this, and it was yeah. good. God does this and this, and it was good. There's, there's, there's right. a very you know structured kind of systematic right. um, process involved. Yeah, yeah, um, and that's reflected in us. You know, when 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 Adam and Eve are created in a state of grace, um, right relationship with God, right relationship state with of grace. God. Yeah, yep. um, their reason is is has their emotions in check. Um, their will and their reason are directed toward God, and that creates a unity within um, between them. Um, and their bodies are incorruptible. Like that's mm. not a natural human thing. Like you know, <laughs> our, our bodies aren't naturally uh, death free. Like we 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 die we die when we're left to our uh, our own devices. But because of this the state of grace that Adam and Eve, Eve are created in, um, they're spared of that, and yeah. there's a unity. Yeah. But what happens when uh, when when they commit the first sin? You know, they they blame each other. They blame the serpent. They turn from <laughs> God, and and we're told death enters the uh, enters the picture. Yeah. You know. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's a whole lot that then rests on us, mm-hmm. you know, as, as ancestors of Adam mm-hmm. and Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, and that redemptive and salvific then, properly understood, God's working to repair in us that which is broken. Yeah, and that we can't fix. That we so, can't like fix. That no amount of effort, no matter how hard I try, I can't be perfect. Yeah. Grace can perfect me mm-hmm. and usually does that in in incremental steps, right? right? With that just that really bad habit, I overreact. I just do that. I'm emotionally driven and mm-hmm. and I don't step back to reflect sometime, but just act on the impulse of emotion. Mm-hmm. Sometimes without sensitivity of how it's going to be received by others. I mm-hmm. might be doing what is right in principle. But it's not right situationally. That's right. That's right. Um, and you know, to, be, to be fair, most most of our this this is a big difference between. Can, can you give me a good penance for that sin? I just confess, <laughs> please, so I can feel better about myself and be a Pelagian and just make it up. <laughs> we'll, we'll get the bishop on the horn and see uh, see what he'll he'll give you. But um, no, one of the big differences between Adam and Eve and, and ourselves is Adam and Eve's sin was was a, a spiritual one. I mean, Adam Adam refused to serve. Uh, for us, mm. most of our sins are, are passion-driven, mm. right? So, like, for Adam and Eve, their, their sin would be a lot more similar to, say, like, the Carmelite nun who loses her faith than the guy who goes to the bar on a Friday night and drinks mm. too much, mm. you know? But that makes their sin actually graver, mm. right? And, and we're susceptible to that as well. But um, going back to your point about being made whole— uh, or, or being fixed from within. Yeah, uh, the, the remedy is applied by God yeah. himself for the offense that I have committed against him. That's right. Right? That the fixing that I need is some rebellion from God's plan, God's mm-hmm. plan for me and for his created order. Yeah, yeah. And we see, we, we have seen um, in the Gospels throughout Lent, I mean, Christ does mm. something to repair some element of damage that that exists because of the fall. I mean, healing of the blind man. Yes. Um, you know, raising Lazarus yes. from the dead. Uh, bringing the, the, Samaritan, woman at the, well. the woman back into the fold, extending mercy to her. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, and, and again, the, the climax is going to come uh, 
at Calvary, right? Mm-hmm. When when Christ um, suffers the death the death that he suffers, um, offering basically what what happens here, you know, in, in a nutshell, is Christ offers the Father something of equal or greater value than what we have offended God by, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we, we we can't make up for that that damage, but Christ can, um, and he can. Thomas Aquinas says for three reasons, uh, because of the integrity of his person, mm-hmm. like, yeah, and that, that comes from uh, the fact that he's a divine person with a human nature, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, his, his humanity has a dignity that nothing else on earth has. Um, through the intensity of his love, right, which is also related to the fact that he's, he's God, and also his human love is perfected, too, through various graces and whatnot. Um, and then also through the intensity of his suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, crucifixion is, is naturally an awful way to die, but then we also think that Christ uh, bears the weight of all sins on him yeah. when, when he undergoes uh, his his suffering and death. Yeah, and and that that third point is actually related to to the, to the second point. Like he, it's because he loves as intensely as he does, and he knows what he knows as as you know a divine person made flesh that he can really understand the grotesqueness, you know, the the the, the horribleness of sin. Mm. Um, in a way that we can't, mm-hmm. but, but we, but we will one day, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, sort of an unrelated note, but, uh, you know, my, my daughter, uh, Corinne, who's, who's a fourth grader, she's like, she's, she's getting to the point where she can ask where she's thinking about these things and asking questions, which makes mm-hmm. our, our evening walks with a dog really <laughs> fun and interesting. But, uh, just the other night she was asking me, um, what hell was going to be like or what hell is like. And, mm. and if, um, if it's the way like cartoons depict it with demons poking, you know, the damned and, and I told her, you know, hell doesn't have to have that. It will be suffering enough for the person to finally see what, what they've rejected, hmm. you know, what, what the life they've chosen and what they've rejected and, and that they will, they will agonize for that alone. Yeah. Like we don't need to bring, you know, fire and, and, and yeah. demons into the picture. Like right. that, that alone is agonizing. Right. Um, something you, re- you remember the French phenomenologist, Jean-Paul Sartre. Yes. Do you ever read No Exit? Uh, I, I have not. It's I, his I'm, treatise on hell. Now, I, this I, is, I'm familiar with it. I've never full read Full disclosure, this is an atheist here, friends. Right, that's right. <laughs> so this is a Christian doctrine. Who said hell is other people. Hell is other. It's being locked forever yeah. in a room with other people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose depending on who those people are, you know. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But the, the Bible uses imagery, as does the church herself, in intending to be instructive to the truth that the, the that hell itself in this particular case is the complete, total, utter, and irrevocable separation from God mm-hmm. and how unimaginably um, uh, horrific that will be yeah. for those who choose. And it's, you know, you, you might hear... You might hear that and think, well, that, that's sort of a gloomy thing to, to, to ponder, but it's, it's important, right? Yeah. Uh, for the same reason that it's important to remember, um, you know, or to bear in mind what Christ um, endured on the cross, like mm-hmm. that, that sort of knowledge of exactly what humanity rejects mm-hmm. when it chooses sin. Mm-hmm. Um, very sobering thought. Very much so. But anyway, but the, so that's, that's, that's all. So these are your nightly walks with a dog and Corinne. Yeah. Yeah, a lot. Oftentimes, yeah. Wow. Sometimes we talk about cartoons and you know basketball, but occasionally she'll hit me with the "Hey, Dad, what's hell like?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it gives you the chance to just pause and yeah, yeah. ponder Absolutely. yourself. Yeah, um, but 
But yeah, so basically, you know, God's love outstrips um, anything yes. that that we uh, yeah. that we're, we're we're failing or lacking at. Well, He takes on the sins of the world, and that's that's my sin. That's your sin. That's that the grotesqueness is an understated word yeah. for what sin is. It's hard to come God. up with a word to capture exactly yeah, it's what so sin is. So entirely revolting and repulsive. Yeah. Uh, to the God of the universe who made us to be in right relationship with him and we mm-hmm. choose to rebel. That's what sin is, rebelling from God. As yeah. a child uh, rebels from their parents' um, uh, instruction yeah. and, and uh, demands. Yep. Um, he takes on that suffering for you and for me and for all humanity. He does so out of love, which goes back to the uh, Thomistic uh, seems to me the formulation that you stated. The yeah. second one was love. Yeah, the 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 infinity or the infinite it's, nature of his love. It's yeah. out of love, right? Inexhaustible yeah. love that he chooses to take mm-hmm. on that. Love is greater than all things. Yeah, right. Yeah, and love compels the lover to even endure suffering for sake of beloved. Right. Right. Um couple things come to mind please you know, from what you just said uh first of all yeah i mean christ substitute basically it's 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 a kind of substitution like he mm-hmm. substitutes his love and obedience for our lack of love and disobedience yeah. our incapacity to do those things um and 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 represents us yeah you know? I, I would that's where my emphasis would be with, yeah with 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 my own um um having learned that especially from yeah. father Hans Urs von Balthasar, that right. there's a vicarious representation. He stands in our place, a place that we're incapable of standing and does so for us. Right. Mm-hmm. And we say in the creed yep. for us and for our salvation, we say that every single Sunday to remind us that is the why. And that why is driven by love alone. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really important to go that route and not view it. There, there can be some real mischief um, done with you know, misunderstandings about what's happening when Christ is crucified. Like it, 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 it has been uh, among certain Protestants and even some Catholics, um, the view that, uh, well, let me back up here. We, we don't want to make God out to be a sadist in all of this. Yes, <laughs> like, that's right. We, we don't want to make God seem as though, okay, he's mad and he has to whack something yes. because of our sins. And, yes. and Christ just happens to be in the way and he, he bears the, the hit. Yes. Uh, we don't want to go that route. I mean, as, as you said, um, rightly, you know, it's, it's out of love. I mean, it's, it's freely taken on, um, you know, Christ offering something that we can't offer to the father. Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think that has been a point of misunderstanding in the past and, and still is to some degree today, but just to, to keep that uh, at the forefront of our, our minds as we enter into Holy Week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, how wonderful to be reminded of entering in to imagining that love, a love that is so searing and unconditioned that the God of the universe wishes to take upon himself all that is in opposition to himself, mm-hmm. that he to take that on himself so that it can be removed from me as an impediment to be in right relationship with him, which is the very reason of my being. Yeah. Well, then you look at your, your own life through that lens. Um, It it really seems as though the disunity, the discord that was brought on by the fall is, is still very much there. I don't want to 
sacrifice anything for, for people who offend me. I don't want to sacrifice anything for, for people I disagree with. Yeah. Um, I could get into specifics, but it, it's, it's, you know, we'd be here forever. Like it's, it's really easy to multiply examples, yes. but, but, um, yes, yes. you know, we, we've, we've, we've been talking about good Friday quite a bit, but the events of Holy Thursday when at, at the last supper, when Christ is setting up the, um, the sacrament of the Eucharist, I mean, that's like our umbilical cord, yeah. our lifeline to, yes. to what that's Christ, to what Christ did 2000 years ago. And that's going to help me get to the point where. You know, hopefully, as you said, incrementally, grace is mm-hmm. going to change me, mm-hmm. and sacrificing for people I don't particularly care for will become easier. Mm-hmm. Sacrificing for people who offend me will be easier because that's the point I need to get to mm-hmm. as a disciple. Mm-hmm. Friends, he's Rick. I'm Father Dave. We're casting the net, and we are so grateful that you've spent time with us again, sharing in the conversation that is our conversation, uh, inclusive of all of us, and we're. We're edified by the interest that you have in joining this conversation and sharing in it with us. Friends, he's Rick, and I'm Father Dave, a dad and a priest, together trying to become better fathers by catching Christian faith. Thanks for joining us for our conversation, and we hope that you'll connect with us next week for Casting the Net.